the world is a fine place and worth fighting for. I agree with the second part. We're on express elevator to hell. You want to be a big bad guy, Christopher? I want your blood. I want your soul. Top of the food chain and dinner is served. Stop defending him, Sean. Our mission is to monitor extraterrestrial activity on Earth. It's all right to be afraid, David. Because this part won't be like a comic book. Welcome to Earth. All right. Okay, guys. Before, hap, before happy we, Monday. Happy Monday. Happy, happy November, the, the second month of, of Halloween. Um, I uh, before we begin, I have to I have to address the controversy. Um, I know all of the fans have been reaching out to print me personally on Twitter, or email, or calling me on the phone and just crying. And I want to mm-hmm. let you guys know that yes, I am aware that my audio is messed up. Uh, I know I sound echoey. I'm in the I'm in the process of fixing it. Don't worry, everyone. It's just that the new area in my uh, house where I'm recording has a weird wall and the sound is bouncing off of it and i'm in the process of putting foam up so it's getting taken care of yeah. is it a the wall is, is it a, it is a fence oh yeah <laughs> exactly i was, I was gonna say is it, it a wonder wall so anyway here's wonder wall <laughs> um no, Lori makes David record outside in the uh, in the Black Widow shed now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I have to record in the Black Widow uh, shed. I, I'm constantly avoiding Black Widows, um, which is yeah. It's still like, and that's the other thing I want to mention is that um, uh, you can't start playing Christmas music because the war on Christmas is now a war for Halloween. So Halloween is going to take November too. I think we're just going to give November to Halloween. So don't say war on Christmas. Say war for Halloween. All right. So that's 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 the new thing. Um, no, don't. Okay. Don't you remember that movie? The Nightmare Before Christmas isn't that like? Weren't they doing that already? Oh yeah, Laurie was Laurie put that on the other night because just, like, <laughs> just let, watched it. Talia, so we don't watch the whole thing. Like I, 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 and the, this might piss off some fans. I don't. I told Sean this night. Uh, I, I, I enjoy that for Christmas, but I, it's one of those. It's like Rick. It's like Rick and Morty, where like the fan base kind of turned me off from it. Uh, it's okay. Yeah, Nightmare Before Christmas is fine. I don't think it's like Tim Burton's masterpiece. I think the. I think his two Batman films are way better. Like that's, but uh, sure. But yeah, um, uh, but I do like it. It's uh, and I think I can't. Is that the plot where he's trying to turn Christmas into Halloween? Is that it, or is he trying to? He's trying. No, he's trying to bring Christmas to Halloween Town, right? Uh, Something like that. Oh my god! It's the it's literally Christmas taking over November. It's it's yeah, because Jack Skellington wants to bring Christmas to Halloween Town. Right. So this is the opposite. This is kind of a. I. The, the only thing I remember about A Nightmare Before Christmas is it was the first movie that I left before finishing. Really? You, 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 you hated it that much or what? My parents hated it that much. Oh, okay. I, I was just along <laughs> for the ride. Was it the was it the, like the demonic implications or they just annoyed yeah, the songs? It, it was the satanic imagery, I'm sure. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's fun. I, oh, it's so fun. I, I didn't even know that you could leave halfway through a movie. I thought it was forbidden. <laughs> but, then, but then i learned well, it was illegal up until 1975 so uh your parents got lucky and that's yeah. really born after that's really that, funny because the three of us watched some shit movies in in high school and we just we sat there all we never walked out we just sat through all of them like house of wax <sighs> yeah house of wax freddy freddy got fingered um passion <laughs> of the christ like <laughs> okay well <laughs> freddy, freddy got fingered i think i think that deserves a second look i haven't seen it since like i was a teenager it was funny but i i, I wonder yeah. if it's because it's like it's if Freddy got fingered is like a is like the is like anti-comedy the movie right and i think that anti-comedy can be very funny i think that it's often not i think that people kind of miss mm-hmm. the point 
but Tom Green, if I remember correctly, like the, the parts I remember, like it was like really kind of innovative. And so I'm, I'm down to give it yeah. a shot. Um, jerking off the elephant was very innovative. <laughs> um, so, uh, do, were you guys both there with me on that one or was it just one of you? I it, can't remember. I, I, I wasn't there. I don't know if I saw it. You weren't I, there. I, I must saw it with you, Sean, I guess. Was it, Someone, was it you and your dad? We, yeah, no. So what happened is, is well, we had to have some uh, a guardian with us. So my dad got us in, and then he now, had shit yeah. to do. So he dipped, he dipped out of the back, yep. like all sneaky. Yep. And uh, we were the only ones in there, except for one other uh, group who was still in there when my dad was in there. And they went and checked their IDs, and they were too young, and they sent them home because they snuck oh, in. Oh man! <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, that was like yeah. that was like they did that for like Blair Witch too, where it was like if you were too young. Mm-hmm. I didn't see it in theaters, but I heard stories. It was really funny back then when like you there that was a controversy where like oh this film literally if anyone under seventeen sees it, it's going to be the end of the world. Like they yeah. have to like you have to you, they check when you buy the tickets right. and then they double check when you're in the theater, which is hilarious. Which is a crock yeah. of shit because I remember we rented the Blair Witch Project. I think the the Halloween of nineteen ninety nine. Yeah. And I, we were what, like eleven or twelve? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I mean, what's the fuck? <laughs> who yeah. gives a shit? They didn't do anything. They just let you rent it. Yeah, because no. once it got to Blockbuster, it was who fucking cares? Yeah. Yep. Wow. That was my parents running That's it for hilarious. us? Yeah. Oh, I we- thought you as a child were like, "Where which, please?" <laughs> no, but like the, the, like that that means that like once once it's in they, the home, the the child can yes. see it, and oh my god. Yes. No, you're but right. You're I, right. I wasn't lucky enough to live within walking distance of a blockbuster back then. Mm. Oh, it was Holler Video that Sean lived next to. Oh, but I, I, yes. I lived I when I was in when I was in my early twenties. I did live within walking distance of a blockbuster. Yeah, that's right. AKA the office. office. Yeah, the old the office <laughs> right. going to work. Um. So, oh, I wanted to mention one thing. You know how we're talking about bringing Christmas to Halloween or whatever. I think we should bring no no- November to December. Okay, <laughs> is, so we can uh, let's put that off, guys. Thought, Actually, I, let's let's extend it. I thought I thought December what? was drain drain your nuts December because you drain cause your vein. Drain, uh, yeah, yeah you just yeah. you just went through a month of no nutting, so you got to drain it. Yeah, the next month. No, I don't. I don't think I'll be joining anybody in the no nut no nut November. Although I'm one day in, guys. You know, so I'm doing good, pretty good. I was trying good. to think. I was trying to think. Um, am I already? Have I already broken the rules? And I remember today's the first, so I'm still good. No, you're good. And is your your because you don't want the the whole reason they have it is they don't want the the devil to be stealing your sexual energy right through your uh, orgasms. Well, and there and there are um, there are vol cell guys like voluntary cell guys who actually believe that like giving a woman your seed is giving her your power. And so they, they I remember you remember that. So I think we have to, I probably talked about them in our on our black pill episode, but yeah, black pill. Yep, yeah, definitely. Um. Uh, yes, but anyways, I guess without further ado, uh, welcome to Guys We're Screwed. I'm Sean. I'm David. And I'm Chris. I was going to see who's going to uh, play that game there. I was going to, and I was Beat like, no, up. Chris is going to win. I'll say it. I'm going to win. <laughs> um, we can do silence Chris, for 20 best. minutes. All right. No one's ever going to make <laughs> you say your name first. That's right. <laughs> Someone might. Um. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, um, well, here we are guys. Uh, and I gotta say it's been a minute since I've hosted a sode. Um, how are you assholes doing? Uh, I don't care. Uh, anyways, I was looking for a topic and I was juggling around some ideas and it just hit me. Um, why don't we talk about something that's currently screwing plenty of people right now? 
And by that, I mean the opioid epidemic. Um, Technically, I'm not really going to cover the epidemic as a whole, but like instead a horrible pharmaceutical company. Um, And as everyone knows, pharmaceuticals can do great things for man and even worse things to men or man. Uh, But one company has become a faucet of controversy in recent years. uh, And that company is Purdue Pharma. Um, I'll start with history. I'm actually going to start with sources first. I'm also going to mention the fact that there is a show called Dope Sick. Uh, I don't know what streaming or what media it's it's on. And okay. And I didn't, I knew about it, but I didn't know it was about this. And then I kind of found out as I was doing this, which is really weird. It, It must've been tied to the fact that it's kind of, um, popular right now because when I was searching for stuff to do, it seemed like I found my way to this. And I'm just guessing that maybe it has to do with the algorithms of what's going on uh, right. in the world today. Um, and then that's kind of, you know, linked to that. But uh, the sources, at least for this one, because this is going to be at least a two-parter. Um, Sean's first two-parter. Let's, ha- let's hear it. All right. Hey. All right. Uh, All right. We need a, a soundboard uh, <laughs> that can play clapping and also the... Okay, we'll get you're gonna get on that. Yeah, I'll get get on that. Okay. Um the sources for this one are of course Wiki and then uh a lot of this came from an article in the New Yorker called The Family That Built an Empire of Pain. Uh I will also be pulling from that one on the next part for sure too. Um and possibly other ones we'll see. But the the way I am going to go about this is I'm going to give a little bit of history. I'm going to talk a little bit about um, the drug that I'm going to be focused on and uh, and then um, some of the the players. Uh, I kind of give a brief overview and then I kind of go back into it. But this is mostly to grasp people's attention uh, by the nuts, grab their grab them by the nuts or. Uh, pussies, I guess I don't discriminate. Although that sounds really bad. Yeah. Oh, Sean! Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, Jesus. <laughs> you sound like your you sound like your favorite guy. I had almost um, I'd almost forgotten well, about that. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, he's the one who fucked it up for all of us. Okay. Oh, that sounds even worse. Um, <laughs> I'm Dude, not. This, I can't do this anymore. This is not I'm going well so far, oh. Sean. <laughs> <laughs> no, I wish I could just say these things, guys, and not have it be tied to a shit bag like Donald Trump, but. uh you know what? Uh, that's his his bad, guys. His bad. Um, all right. Well, let's get into this. Um, so the company was founded in 1892 by John Perdue Gray and George Frederick Bingham in Manhattan. Uh, They're both medical doctors. Um, in 1952, they sold the company uh, to brothers Arthur Raymond and Mortimer Sackler. They were all also medical doctors. Um, the company was relocated to Yonkers, uh, New York at the time they were selling items like earwax remover and laxatives. Uh, Arthur Sackler held one third of the stake in the company. Uh, and then when he died, he sold it to his brothers. I'm going to talk a lot more about Arthur. So they were like uh, specializing in just getting shit out of your body, like whether earwax or actual shit, they were just like, that was, Um, that was their business. Yeah, that's a good point. (laughs) And so when, um, when Gray and Bingham founded the company, is that also what they were selling? Um, I am not a hundred percent sure if that's what initially what they were selling. It was probably like I'm some, like, like some sure. like, I'm guessing yes, some like medical tack or something. I don't know. That's what, what did they what did they sell in 1892? Uh, yeah, Beaches. cocaine in a vial. Yeah, yeah I mean, peg like, legs. I'm like, yeah, that's. 
<laughs> Penguins. Yeah, I don't know. I I didn't I didn't look enough into that. Um, but I'm sure it was fun stuff. Uh, and then. So they opened new offices, New Jersey, Connecticut. The headquarters is actually in Stamford, Connecticut right now. Uh, in 1991, uh, the present day Purdue Pharma LP was incorporated and then they focused on pain management meds. They call themselves, and I quote, a pioneer in developing medications for reducing pain, a principal cause of human suffering. So they went, mm. da- they went over 100 years without being incorporated. That's wild. Yeah, I know. Well, I got to think they were owned by someone else. Then they sold it to somebody. Yeah. Uh, somebody else who had a completely different vision, as you'll see. Yeah. Because I don't think Purdue Purdue uh, Frederick Company was really going to go anywhere. Uh, they weren't going to be as rich as they were. I'll I'll tell you that. Um, until the Sacklers bought it. Um, company is not affiliated with Purdue University in any way. Just FYI, which the university is uh, expressed intensely, not to be associated, <laughs> <laughs> considering everything that happens. <laughs> it's not us. We promise. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't sure either. Yeah. I'm like, Purdue, are they from Purdue University? Chris no, got not his not PhD from Purdue, and he's like, oh, you had a PhD? Where, where, where are you from? Purdue University. What was that? Sorry. What? what? <laughs> You're fired. Yeah. 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 What? So you like people uh, getting addicted to drugs? Yeah. Oh, hell yeah. Um, yeah. So, th- so as of today, uh, the company has multiple branches. Um, it has the namesake that I mentioned, Purdue Pharma LP, the Purdue uh, Pharma Company, Purdue Pharmaceutical Products LP. And then um, I duplicated that for some reason. Um, I don't know why I have Purdue Pharma. I think that, oh no, it's Purdue, Par- Purdue Products LP. I take that back. God, there's just, they just, I don't know why they need all those names. Um, it's to avoid taxes three, or something, I'm sure, but yeah. Pro- probably. Uh, there are three sites where they manufacture, uh, one in North Carolina, one in New Jersey. Chris, we're looking at you. I know. And one in Rhode Island. Um, this is what's fun. OxyContin, which is going to come up again. Let me tell you, is distributed in the U.S., Canada, and Mexico from its Totawa, New Jersey site. Well, I'm looking at the Rhode Island. So, Do you think the Rhode Island location, like they came into contact with Cthulhu, and that's why they became evil at some point? Like, I'm not, maybe they were. Um, I don't know if they're always evil, but like because they're on the ocean. They, yeah, because Rhode Island is where uh, what's his fate? Lovecraft is from. Oh, uh, that's right. It's also where DJ Pauly D is from. You know, <laughs> okay, from okay. Jersey Shore. You got a so, little bit, of, a little bit of darkness, uh, a little bit of light. Yeah. Uh, well, a little bit of tan. Yeah. I wouldn't go. I wouldn't go light. A little but, bit of dark. Yeah. A little bit of tan. Uh, a little bit of dark. <laughs> a little bit of UV light. Yeah. <laughs> um, there, there's also a sister company called Rhodes Pharmaceuticals, uh, which was created in 2007. It's actually one of the biggest U.S. producers of off-patent uh, generic opioids. And then you also got Nap Pharmaceuticals and Mundi Pharma. Uh, there are two more sister companies run by descendants of the Sacklers, uh, Sackler Brothers. That makes sure the whole world has access to opioids. So they Yay, own the name think, brand and the generics. They're just they're running the whole game. They they are, and there are other companies out there that that do this. David, don't don't worry. Uh, every, other people are getting getting some of this money too. Okay, okay I was I was worried. Um, I was like, well, I hope that other people are killing people for money. That's... I I know, I know. I feel the same way. Now there's um, there are plenty of ways to kill people for money, David. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. There's a lot of good ways. Let's list them. Uh, just kidding. So, um, make sure I just do something real quick. Okay. Um, you guys, I sound still sound good, right, guys? Yeah. You yep, sound sexy okay. as fuck, dude. Oh hell yeah, I appreciate that. Uh. Uh, <clears throat> ooh. 
Uh, current CEO is Craig uh, Landau. 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 Uh, and in 2018, so there were eight members of the Sackler family still on the board, but interestingly enough, as of 19, none of them remain. So Ooh. I think that'll come out later. It's a weird, weird thing going on here. Um, that's again, that was just to pull you guys in because we're about to start digging a little deeper here. Um, uh, this is actually before I do that, a little bit uh, more background on, uh, the drugs, um, kind of a quick timeline, uh, Purdue Pharma makes a lot of opioids, including hydromorphone, oxycodone, fentanyl, codeine, and hydrocodone. Uh, it's very well known for uh, it is very well known for MS Contin, OxyContin, and Rizalt. Uh, in seventy two, Contin was developed, which was a controlled release drug. Uh, Nineteen eighty four, MS Contin was released, which is an extended release morphine. And that was like and I know you're probably gonna get to it, but like the whole extended release thing was like their big. For oxycotton that was like the that was like the game changer right it was it was huge um yeah and there's diff- there's multiple reasons why that that was uh they actually used it uh, for nefarious reasons uh for marketing um and then so so the extended release oxycodone uh oxycontin was finally released in 1996 it was first introduced in 95 and when i mean by that it was just approved by the fda uh, in 95 so by the way that content stands for continuous oh, um, okay. so that's why that they have sense. those on there so oxycodone continuous release um and mine's about to kick in here so this is going to get really good just <laughs> <laughs> um so uh before i uh <laughs> oh i thought i did something stupid here yeah before i get deep into the meat though i'm not sure if i like that anymore uh, i want you to understand how rich the sackler family is they're worth more than the rockefellers or the melons and i don't know if you guys know who the melons are uh there's a melon bank um thomas melon i think it was thomas melon um they're they're a pretty big corporate banking group they're, they, they're they're a billion do they all dollar smell company, like farts? family just know, melons are delicious. There's like one of the most prestigious like postgraduate fellowships is the Mellon oh, Grant. Nice. Is it? Yeah. Okay. And you're and telling me why you didn't get that one, Chris? <laughs> well, because I, I graduated on time, so uh, I oh. didn't need it. Oh, it's a grant for if you don't graduate on time? No, I mean, but you know. Oh, okay. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. No, great save though. Great save. So the Sacklers have a wing at in the Met. I saw it. Uh, which we, yeah. Right, right. Which we've all been in. Yep. The yeah. Sackler Wing contains the Egyptian section, which they donated a lot of those pieces, which I also feel like means they stole them from Egypt. Yeah, that's 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 kind, the, yeah. that's kind of the that's kind of the whole game with like with rich people donating stuff to museums. Uh, they they want all the credit for that, but the, the, like they they don't, definitely don't want you asking how they got to be owners of it in the first place. Like, oh, well, okay. Yep. How did you get the sarcophagus? Okay, like what? Like, yeah. What happened? Okay. Yeah. Thanks. No, I guess. seriously. Yeah. Exactly. It's really fucked um, up when you think about it, because like, you know, museums are an institution, right? But it's all. Yeah. I mean, all of those have, not all of them, but any of the ones that aren't from Western Europe are pretty much guaranteed to be stolen. Yeah. Um, right. Or plundered or whatever, and yeah. We, we were at the Met just a couple weeks ago, and mm. we were in the, like, Mesopotamian, 
you know, like the ancient Babylon section. And mm-hmm. there was this like a really old piece that had been taken. So here, here you go. It was, it was taken from um, a museum in Berlin that was blown up during World War II. So you can imagine the Germans stole it right mm-hmm. from somewhere in you know in modern day wherever Iraq maybe mm-hmm. um and then and then we stole it from them after <laughs> blowing up their museum during <laughs> World War II and it was it's all fucked up like it had to be reassembled yeah. like it, there're oh. like big chunks of it missing and shit God damn it! Yeah, so it's, it's probably still worth a shitload of money. Yeah, is and, and like it's funny because like there's stuff there's stuff that like oh this is ancient Babylon or this is ancient Asian uh Asian ancient Persian Asian. artifacts and like I like when they they like use like I, it's true that those things came from those countries that don't exist anymore but just because those mm-hmm. countries don't that doesn't mean that land's not there like the people are still like they yeah. still live there and those are those those are the yeah. things we have are theirs like you should probably just like give it back because they like just because per- Persia's not around anymore doesn't mean that it's like that those people aren't there but yeah right exactly or donate donate to the cause instead of donating to a museum donate to them like or you can take their shit but pay them for it you yeah. know like I, I don't know I don't want to take us too far afield but right, I just, right. it just yeah never mind I don't, I don't want to get into vegan macaroni territory but okay okay, it's okay the, we won't. the Sacklers are filthy filthy rich yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then, uh, so this will be the last bit, I guess, I talk about this. They were considered very ph- philanthropic. Um, and by that, I mean they donated to high-class institutions only. They have a Sackler Gallery in Washington, the Sackler Museum at Harvard, the Sackler Center for Arts Education at the Guggenheim, the Sackler Wing at the Louvre, uh, the Sackler <laughs> Institutes, <laughs> uh, the Sackler Institutes and facilities at Columbia, Oxford, and many more universities. Um, Thomas Lawton, who was an art scholar, said the oldest Sackler Arthur was like a modern Medici. I don't know if I like that or not, um, but I guess if you're comparing them to Medici family, it just means they also have a lot of money. Very um, corrupt. Uh, and yeah, people, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Arthur told his kids. Uh, before he died in 1987 to leave the world a better place than when you entered it. Mortimer died in 2010 and then Raymond in 2017. I'll still talk about them a little more, but their children are heavily involved in quote philanthropy, which Marth- Marissa Sackler, Mortimer's daughter likes to call being a social entrepreneur. <laughs> oh, my fucking. <laughs> this is, Isn't that upsetting? That is, the, that is like, that is such a failed child, like title. Like just the, yeah. these rich fucking kids, they grow up and like they've never worked a day in their life, and so but they they need to feel like they they're doing something, so they invent mm-hmm. a, a fucking social entrepreneur. Go fuck yourself. I know, and some of them do work, but they just work for the company and work right. their way up, quote unquote, whatever that means. And they're just and... like like you know, like people like Elon Musk, where like like they'll say they work two hundred hours a week, but like going to the spa is the, if they think about work for one right. second, that's a work day. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I know somebody that's just like that. Um, having a dinner, talking about work yeah. is work. Getting drunk. Um, yeah, it's a work day. <laughs> exactly. So, but don't you? Now that we have it. that, now that yeah, exactly. Now that we have that out of the way, back to the drugs. Um, so, OxyContin, which was hailed as a medical breakthrough, has so far made over thirty-five billion for the company. So, oh, a little bit about OxyContin. 
Um, as mentioned above, it is uh, oxycodone. It's twice as potent as morphine, and it's a chemical cousin of heroin. Uh, before the release of it, doctors were really careful not to overprescribe opioids. Um, it was solely used for cancer pain and end-of-life uh, situations, palliative care, stuff like that. Um, this is mostly because, I guess, they had this fear about addictive properties about them. Weird. Uh, when OxyContin was launched, they really hit the marketing hard with the intention of changing the minds of doctors who could prescribe them. I mean, they paid doctors to say that the concerns about addiction were unfounded and that it was safe to use Oxy for tons of ailments. You'll see what I mean as this story develops more. Can I, can I say something about um, this? Because I, I have a personal yeah. story with this. This is topical. Um, uh, I, I, I worked at Starbucks for a very long time. And um, I got to tell you, uh, I think pharmaceutical reps, the ones that go to the doctors and try to sell them the drugs, are my least favorite people in the world. If you if you're a pharma rep and you list this, uh, I'm sorry, get a better job. Because like, not only mm-hmm. is their whole job, my uncle is a pharma rep, so like, not only is like I think their job like, kind of like pretty much evil, where it's like you're going there to to mm-hmm. smooth these doctors into selling their drug, like, it, regardless mm-hmm. of the medical benefits, you want them to sell your drug, whatever. Yes, they would also come into Starbucks and they would order like 40 drinks at a time while they're trying to like 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 uh, win over these doctors and. They never tipped, so uh, fuck them. Damn. <laughs> so and they, and they paid with a company card. They they would like just like just just fucking assholes. So it's they were getting like individual drinks. It's not like they were just buying like a box of nope. Pike. Forty frappuccinos. <laughs> Damn. Just yeah. c- could you no just give them a one. box of Pike instead? Be like, no, this is gonna. Help. <laughs> You'll make the sale with this, this is... for sure. Yeah, yeah. This is this is our best Pike. <laughs> wow. That's so fucked, dude. Um, but that is the culture, and you'll see that too. I mean, this this is the evolution of the pharmaceutical industry, starting with uh, someone I'm going to mention in a minute. But the Sacklers, well, it's a Sackler, obviously, but they. Th- this is a lot of where this came from. Um, it's it's really bad, um, and so OxyContin, yes, it did help with pain for millions. Obviously, it helps, but also obviously, a lot of them started to experience horrible withdrawals. Uh, 200,000 people have died from oxy-related overdoses since 99, and a lot of the users found the drug too expensive, so they turned to something cheaper, like heroin. Did you know that four out of five people that become addicted to heroin started with painkillers? This is a company that runs, that's supposed to know about this drug stuff, and their whole reasoning was, well, it's extended release, so they won't need to take more than one. And like, yes. Do you, like, they're supposed to understand how this shit works, and they just... No, they 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 only need one. It's extended release, so they'll. There's no way they'll take right. more than one. There's no way they'll get addicted to it. There's no way they'll crush it and snort it. Yeah. <laughs> um, or, which which what's that? Or boof it. Or the other one. Or but, boof it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's really. Or smoke it. Shit. I mean. It's really fucked up. Well, I mean, if you think about it, um, I don't know. Just talking from personal experience, like the. Mm-hmm. Um, the the goal really isn't um to like help people necessarily mm-hmm. the goal is really just to like make money yeah. and so yeah. the whole thing uh i mean even the way that like they train sales reps and i've been kind of on like a little bit of the inside of this um oh yeah yeah where which you know it's not like the the, the sales reps don't even i mean they don't know about like the science behind it 
nor are they expected to, nor are they like encouraged to. It's no, really yeah. all about like marketing strategy. The They're sales reps. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and so, you know, the system is, is just kind of built that way because the people who you're sending out aren't scientists, right? The people you're sending out no. are like, um, you know, like retired military or, um, you people know, with the degrees of communication. Yeah. Like right. the kind of, you know, like the, the, the high school quarterback, high school cheerleader type that are, you know, like extroverted and I mean, it's like salespeople. Yeah, absolutely. Um, go ahead. Uh, I just like, it reminds me because there was a really great documentary that I think was put out by HBO. Um, I don't know if you guys have seen it. It was called something like warning this product may kill you. And it followed the story of some of the people in the earliest Oxycontin, like, uh, like their like launch campaign where they had all these success stories. I have seen this. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It like followed some of the people like 10 or 15 years later. And like most of them had become addicts and lost their jobs. And like some of them died from overdosing and stuff. And it's just like, yeah it's a terrible case study in like in what ended up happening with this and not only that but like another part of this was after the after people started getting addicted was was demeaning the victims because like i remember they called oxycontin like Mm. like in the early 2000s hillbilly heroin where it's like oh like like, that was that was a coordinated effort to like kind of not listen to people and they're saying hey we're having a problem with this um but we really missed the boat guys on that because i i i you know i i've been known to enjoy a painkiller uh, a little too much here and there but i um uh, when we were kids they were they were handing this stuff out like candy and by the time we were adults yeah. in like 2006 uh they pulled back heavy and that's why that's when people started to like mm-hmm. switch to heroin because they couldn't get the drugs anymore yeah yeah and it was too expensive and that's one of the things i'll talk about a little bit too about you know what happened to oxycontin and stuff like that um you know also to the the marketing thing it's interesting that you bring up uh, individuals that aren't well trained in that in in uh, pharmaceuticals or scientists, but the crazy thing is Arthur is like the exact opposite, and he was part of marketing. All the Sacklers were. So this is kind of a weird story. It's like they trained and taught the pharmaceutical world, and then all the science was lost. And not saying they're good people, obviously. It just is weird that they that. They they had all the the perfect uh, the perfect storm and all the perfect skills and the perfect evil to make this like way worse than it probably needed to be. Damn. Yeah. Um, but uh, so uh, well, before I get to Arthur Sackler, what I was going to finish up is that just so everyone knows, 145 uh, <laughs> put people Americans. That's sad. 145 Americans die every day from the uh, opioid uh, overdoses. Um, The crisis was quite literally perpetuated by Purdue. Look at the opioid prescribing trend following 1996, and you'll see that it really takes off after that. So they are literally to blame. And one person that's heavily to blame is Arthur Sackler. So I want to talk about him just a little bit before we go into the whole actual... I mean, this is the... I say before the controversy, this is part of the controversy, but... There's the whole lawsuit investigations and things like that uh, that come later in the late 90s uh, or in, actually in early 2000s, I think. Um, that'll be in the next uh, sode. But um, I, I want to give you a good idea of how the situation came into being. 
So Arthur trained under a Dutch uh, psychoanalyst, uh, Johan H.W. von Ufessen. Ufessen. Um Arthur called him Freud's favorite disciple. I didn't look up to see if he actually worked with him, uh, but I thought that was weird. That they, I wanted to add that in. Um, so I don't know. I feel like that's not a good thing. I Just, just a hunch. Because um, well, Freud, uh, later in life, uh, he uh, dedicated a lot of his uh, research towards stuff like marketing. Like he got really into that mm-hmm. later in his life. After he got past, okay, the, okay. after he got past, he wanted to have sex with your mom stuff. Like uh-huh. he, like he <laughs> uh, started studying the market, uh, the, the psychological trends and stuff like marketing. Oh shit! That's okay. I'm glad you brought that up because this is going to be perfect. Interesting. Um. Chris, you're gonna say something. So, just like the psychological effects of marketing. Yeah, like the oh, like okay. the, yeah, like, that makes sense. Like, uh, like how our psychology responds to uh, advertisements, marketing, and then also how that can how psych how like psychology can be used in marketing. Right. Yep. This is. Or I'm not wow. sure. I'm not sure if that was his goal, but that's what his work ended up be being used yes. for. Yes. And this makes a lot of sense now. Um. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So, all right. So to further give background though on Arthur, uh, him and his brothers grew up in Brooklyn during the depression. Uh, they all attended medical school and even worked together at the same Creedmoor psychiatric center in Queens. Uh, they published over 150 papers, uh, between them. God damn. Arthur, Arthur became fixated on the way that nature and disease can reveal their secrets. Uh, he was into the biology of mental disorders, though, rather than the psychology, and also had his interest piqued by alternatives to pharmaceuticals like electroshock therapy and psychoanalysis. Um, Mortimer and Arthur had a very good, though, almost scary understanding of advertising, and Arthur ended up buying a copywriting agency that he worked at because he was so good at his job. From there, he, quote, revolutionized the industry. Uh the article I pulled this info from said he had a Don Draper style intuition for the alchemy of marketing. Um, That's really fun. Now I'm just now I'm just picturing him like sitting at a desk. You see a pill, but is it a pill? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or is exactly. it freedom? Is it a tiny yeah. American flag? That's, oh, that's just my guess, Don Draper. <laughs> that's that's good. I haven't even watched Mad Men, but I know I know his. Uh, <laughs> I I know I know who he is. Yeah. I know his that's uh, how he personality. Talks. So. Arthur saw that uh, selling new drugs uh, worked best when one uh, utilizes the seduction of both the patient and the prescribing doctor. Um, To doctors on uh, board with new drugs, he would have, or yeah, sorry, I said that maybe weird cadence. Actually, it's completely written wrong. To onboard doctors with new drugs, he would have specific ads placed in medical journals which were distributed to doctors' offices. He knew that doctors were influenced most by their peers, obviously, so he paid more uh, some of the more prominent ones to endorse his products and cite studies. Um, it all had like a very serious look, but it was really just advertising. Sometimes the doctors' names uh, that were used in the marketing weren't even fucking real. And today, <laughs> this I know th- this technique of advertising and pharmaceuticals. Uh, is is used still a lot all thanks to mr sackler absolutely yeah i mean i guess i i don't know i just wasn't really surprised by this it just seemed like right well of course i mean if you're going to if you're advertising to like healthcare professionals you have to appeal to 
you know, the authority of like the literature of, you know, published studies and stuff. And so, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. all, uh, so much is kind of built around that. And I mean, it makes sense. Right. Yeah. yeah. No, it does. Yeah, it's yeah. all a game pretty much. Um, and for fuck's sake, Arthur was even inducted into the Medical Advertising Hall of Fame in '97. Okay, so he when must we, have done really when good. We have our when we have our own communist cultural revolution. Um, mm-hmm. We're going to look in that Hall of Fame and just strike every record of anyone listed in that, so that they never existed. Just everywhere they're yeah. published, everywhere they're mentioned on the internet, they're just gone. Like fuck, like Jesus Christ. It, it shouldn't exist, really. Um, it's such a um horrendous idea like medical advertising hall of fame like uh anyways i wish i could just get off arthur but we have to talk about him a little more um his initial wealth came in the 1960s uh off of uh lib uh, librium and valium they preyed on uh people's anxiety to sell them uh valium was considered in fact this is really weird but it was the drug uh to prescribe to people when there was no visible pathologies or symptoms. So, like, if somebody would come in and you'd be like, well, I kind of feel this way. I was like, well, here's Valium. It's because um, it's, it's you're freaking out here. Just sleep it off or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And in, in 73, millions of tranquilizer prescriptions were being written a year. Plenty of those people became addicted, of course. Um, Arthur also created a newspaper called the Medical Tribune, uh, which would grace the eyes of 600,000 physicians. Um so you can see the kind of outreach he's starting to have. Uh, and then also in the 60s, a senator uh, named Estes uh, Kefauver. Uh, I have no idea if I said that wrong or right. Um, was on a subcommittee. Kefauver. Kefauver. Uh, he was on a subcommittee that had its eye on the pharmaceutical industry. Um, he had previously investigated the mafia and he took notice of the Sacklers. He knew what they were doing and he requested that Arthur testify before the committee. Uh, Arthur did so in January of 1962. They came at Arthur with a barrage of questions, and yet Arthur was too poised and sneaky uh, for them uh, to trip him up. And then, as I mentioned earlier, Arthur died in 1987, and what he died from was a heart attack. Um, The rest of the Sackler family would carry on his legacy, and then whatever portion... uh, of his business that he owned went to the rest of his family. The weird thing was I didn't leave this. Uh, I, I, I took this out, but I guess I'll mention it just to kind of show how fucking horrible he, this, he was. Um, he had a, his third wife. Um, I forget her name, but he set something up to make it seem like she was trying to steal all his money when she wasn't, but she was like entitled to some part of, um, yeah, you know, what, what he had left over. Right. But I think she ended up getting nothing because of something he some way he designed something uh and and made it uh and in uh used legal terms to completely fuck her over i'm not saying he i'm sure she still got something but basically she didn't get much and the rest of the company went to back to the brothers so he he was a bad person i know so uh, I want to talk about Richard Sackler, uh, son of Raymond. But do you guys, do you guys want to have anything else? Uh, any questions about Arthur? Uh, are you good? You're all Arthur'd out. Um, I'm pretty Arthur'd out. I don't know. Like, I'm curious to, because I don't know his. This he died in the '80s, so like. Uh, this is before OxyContin. Yeah, and I'm trying out, to like. 
I'm wondering if he deserves the benefit of the doubt or if he was just a monster that knew what he was doing. Like, what do you, what do you think, Chris? I think he was like an evil genius. And this yeah. was, I mean, yeah, I don't know if he anticipated like what would have come from it. But when, Later. Like, the bigger question is, would it have mattered if he knew that his drug was going to cause so much death? Or his, not his drug, but his company. Would, it, would, it, would he have drug, changed yeah. a single thing? That's hard to know. Maybe, yeah, maybe yeah. not. But if he's yeah. an evil genius, yeah. I don't think he cares. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. this yeah. whole thing, because uh, he did change the game. And I think, like, I don't know. Yeah. I've never read or seen anything about him, like, that would indicate what he thought about it, what his legacy was going to be. But at that point, so, like, revolutionizing an entire industry, it's just like it develops its own momentum. Yeah. yeah. A lot of um, the Sackler information, like this kind of stuff, was suppressed um, to keep it out of the media's hands and eyes. Mm -hmm. So that's why you don't see a lot about them. I mean, you can look stuff up and read articles, plenty of articles, but it's not something that was like readily available. Um, and especially after the lawsuit later that happens, a lot of these things I think were kind of tried, tried to kind of, you know, bury them in the sand a little bit. Um, Which, but all the information is out there. And, I'm, and I'm, that makes me curious as to what, so like there's Elon Musk who is like, I think a fraudster and just kind of like a, like kind of a, I don't know, a clown, but like there's, and then there's guys like Jeff Bezos who Jeff, Jeff Bezos also revolutionized. I mean like not him by himself or whatever, that's giving him too much credit, but like he mm -hmm. was the person in charge while it was revolutionizing. And, um, like yeah. he's like everyone hates him because he's a monster and i'm wondering what like if are, are we gonna find out in 50 years that he was even worse than we're like i mean probably right like there must be information that he has like scrubbed from the internet that oh. no one's gonna know for a long time there must be sure sure i believe that's very possible um i mean i now i, I kind of am curious as to when this information about sackler came out right yeah. was it, it there's no way it was out when he was alive right you know I mean, considering media is different now, too, things are much more easily accessible than back mm. then. But, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, we have the Internet and we don't know certain things, then I guarantee more stuff is going to come out. Um, but uh, let's talk about Ricky Sack. Um, Ricky Sack. Dick, Dick. Dick Sack. Dick Sack. Let's talk about Dick Sack. <laughs> Dick Sackler. He was the son of Raymond Sackler. Uh, he was the executive who spearheaded the effort to replace MS Content with a new drug because the uh ms cotton's pat patent was set to expire in the late 80s another that's another uh, real fast another very corrupt uh way of getting around the rules is slightly yeah. changing one thing that's not going to affect the drug but changing one ingredient or one measure of an ingredient uh to keep your patent on it well this one i think they just created a brand new patent but it was still an undo even if they're different drugs or or whether they're different or the same and they tweak it or they make a new one it's the same principle yeah they are doing it to to sidestep rules I, yeah, that's very true um so richard joined purdue in 1971 and boy he worked his way up you know uh <laughs> he he being his daddy's daddy's boy uh he has his name all over numerous patents um uh, so another scientist at Purdue sent a memo to Richard outlining the fact that MS Content could face a lot of generic competition and other time-released options must be looked into. The memo brought up oxycodone, which was actually developed way back in 1916 in Germany, I believe. Um, oxycodone was very cheap to produce and was actually already used in Percodan, where it's mixed with aspirin, and Percocet, where it's mixed with Tylenol. 
Um, uh, Purdue developed the time release formula for which it was similar to MS Contin, uh, but it had and it had uh, milligram doses ranging from low doses like 10 milligrams to the very well-known 80s, 80 milligrammers, and even more, which I didn't know, a fucking 160 milligram pill. God, that was Jesus. higher than anything on the market. It's way too strong for most people because I think people were ODing on 80s. I remember when 80s were around, and I didn't even know. I think they got rid of 160s. I'm going to have to look into that and see when they got rid of them because that's disgusting. That's like, like so a, much. It reminds me of like a cookie with like 100 milligrams of THC. Yeah. It's just way too. I'm not, I well, that won't I, kill I, I know, you, though. I know that's not too, <laughs> and the, there are people that eat that, though. There are people that eat that. Like, that's the, the, yeah. Like it's, it's wild. Can you imagine like you go into the um you go into the pharmacy and you pick up your 80s and then the pharmacist is like would you like to supersize that and then <laughs> if you say yes they give you the 160s You walk into the pharmacy yeah. and the pharmacist, just how fucked up are you looking to get today <laughs> So um oh that, that that's right they got rid of the 160 after the movie Supersize Me came yep. out Thanks Chris I'm glad they, they covered all the supersize Um yeah, it's just crazy though. One sixty. It's like, like, do you, do you not want to get anything done? I don't care how time released it is. Also, you can time release that right into your brain uh, at one time if you crush it up and snort it. And I guarantee that that's probably a real lot of reason people were dying. And of course, if it's because in its powderized form, it's very similar to heroin. People would smoke that shit. You just got to remove the coating on the outside. Um, and I know newer developments of drugs uh, allow for the drug to kind of gel when you try to snort it. Or if you put it into water, it like gums up so you can't inject it and things like that. Um, so that I'm glad people are doing that, but they kind of maybe should have done that earlier. Um, but at, at the same time, you can still take it orally and you can take a bunch of them. And so. so before OxyContin was released, focus groups really felt they needed to get rid of uh, the big negative, which was that these opioids had a high potential for abuse. Uh, or it was the idea that they did. They wanted to get rid of that idea. Yeah. Um, not the actual. So, not, not the. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Just, I don't just the fact that people might think of that. That's the. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Um, uh, Rus- Russell Portnov, uh, who was a pain specialist at Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center in New York, used his gravity, his presence, um, uh, to sway the narrative, saying growing literature is showing that these drugs can be used for a long time with little side effects. He told Times Magazine in 1993 that opiates were a gift from nature that needed to be de-stigmatized. <laughs> oh, Fuck. Um, he also, of course, re- receives a lot of funding from Purdue. Go figure. Um, this blows my mind, this next thing. The word opiophobia was starting to be thrown around. Oh, my God. Damn, that's a yeah. pretty dope word, opiophobia. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's t- it's dope. It, it yep. is dope. Uh, dope as fuck. Um, yeah, it's, it just that blows my mind that's a word. It's, it's like borderline, like, offensive. Like, it's just crazy. It's it's so manipulative. I, I can't even wrap my hand, uh, head around it. Yeah. Um, Richard uh, Richard worked very hard to make OxyContin uh, a superstar in the drug world. He wanted to make it the, they use the word blockbuster, I saw a lot too. Um, in, uh, and when in 1995 rolled around, uh, when 1995 rolled around, the drug was approved for moderate to severe pain. 
Purdue had not conducted any clinical trials on the addictive nature of it. The FDA, after approving it, even went on to add that it was less addictive than other opiates. Uh, One examiner who was involved in the approval process, Dr. Curtis Wright, left the FDA soon after, and guess what? After two years, he was working at Purdue. Oh, yeah. I wonder what that means. It's another um, little, little trick they do is, hey, if you you know help us out, we have a job here for you. You have to do nothing for millions of dollars. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So another payoff to get their shit through. So Morty, Ray, and Ricky, uh, Dick, sorry, uh, Dick Sackler uh, launched OxyContin with probably one of the biggest pharma marketing campaigns in the history of big pharma. In this campaign, OxyContin began to get pushed not only for severe short-term pain, but also for chronic conditions like arthritis, back pain, or fibromyalgia. Um, And internal documents even pointed to the fact that a lot of doctors actually thought oxycodone was less potent than morphine, which, of course, course was heavily exploited. And as I mentioned, it's twice as potent, at least. Right. Um, uh, A goal of Purdue should have been like a good pharmaceutical company, which don't exist really, would be to push the lowest doses to the least amount of patients if they actually cared for them. But clearly Purdue went in the opposite uh, direction. Um, Purdue even went on to tell doctors inquiring about addiction potential that their formula of time release is believed to reduce the abusive potential, which was completely untrue. So you can see what's happening here. Yeah. Um, as you knew, this was coming bunch of lies deceit whatever to sell their shit so at this point it's clear that purdue used a term called empirical circularity where all the literature that was proven about the drug was from physicians that were bought and paid for the saddest part about this not the saddest part but a sad part about this is that the prescribing doctors a lot of them were well-meaning but they were straight up lied to they didn't even know they believed this shit so Purdue also claimed that less than 1% of users got addicted. And there was a study in 1999. I can't remember what the, the patients were using the drug for. Um, but it showed that it was closer to 13%, which is also a lot, obviously. And then five years after the drug was induced, it was generating a billion dollars a year. And the sales force was awarded $40 million in bonuses in 2001 just to show how much they were appreciated. It's kind of interesting that Purdue is like claiming that this drug, like it's literally impossible to get addicted to. But at the same time, they're like, well, 1% of people get addicted to it. Like, well, which is it? I I don't understand. If it's it's like, if it's actually supposed to help uh, fight addiction issues, like why are you? Yeah, or reduce it. Yeah. Yeah. No. Uh, I just wanted to mention something about the doctors, right? Like the, the well-meaning doctors. Um, like doctors are really busy people and they don't necessarily yeah. have the time to keep up on like the most current research. It's right. It seems sure. in hindsight kind of like a no-brainer that there's basic, if there were no large-scale clinical studies, like, you know, but it's not, it's not, like doctors have a lot of time to like sit around and read the most recent medical literature. I mean, a lot of them are just going off of like rules of thumb or their own experience, Mm -hmm. or they have like, you know, like they, they're, they kind of do not like shooting from the hip, not that like brash or anything, Mm -hmm. but they're not, you, you would think that they, you know, their prescribing habits and stuff are like, are really like well-informed Mm. but not as much as you would yeah. think. And so 
it you know you're like how how could a doctor be duped didn't these people go to school for a long time and all this right. thing but it's it's not necessarily the case well, which is well, kind of terrifying yeah so the, yeah. There, there's uh, there is that doctor where also like if you're if you're not on um, in the know at all times but you keep hearing because like uh, purdue did this like a uh, marketing campaign where it was like everyone was calling oxycontin like a miracle drug so if you hear that enough times you're just gonna start to believe mm-hmm. it uh that's just what happens but also there are also a lot of doctors that they probably just paid off too with like vacations and stuff like yes. that like oh come to that's come, what I was... come here out our drug in fucking the bahamas so we can talk like, yeah, mm-hmm. there's shit like the, there are there's like a certain level of corruption on the, the doctor's side too but yeah chris is right but it's like they they're busy like they they hear about this miracle drug where literally everyone's calling it a miracle drug it's like yeah of course i get to my patients well yeah there's a and there's a lot of incentive uh incentivization like you said, for paying them out, um, whatever that may be. And on top of that, a lot of that literature, like I mentioned before, was actually being, what they did see was being distributed as, as didn't showing, as not showing the negatives. It was positive. Right. Um, and they were specifically putting these things into people's offices and then those doctors would probably push them. So it was probably really uh, very one-sided too. Like you probably didn't have a lot of a variance outside of just doctors that saw it, saw it and saw that it was supposed to be good and them pushing it. Yeah. Um, it's cheap too, right? I mean, once yeah. the, um, either they were able to get the insurance to cover most of it or like once the generic started coming out, that's another thing too, mm-hmm. that doctors take into consideration is like, you know, um, patient cost or perceived patient cost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And well, see, the thing is, is yeah, it was cheap. Um, I mean, a lot of people I remember were selling them uh, a lot, you know, during the 2000s and, and early, early or late, late 2000s. And, um, you know, but I remember uh, especially hearing, I don't think I ever like uh, witnessed it firsthand, but I know that people were selling their prescriptions for a dollar a milligram for those 80s at some point, you know, or even a hundred milligram, a hundred dollars for 80 milligrams, which is a fuck ton of money. Yeah. People are making a killing off well, those it, things. What, also like, I don't know what the current like drug prices on like pills are, but like their street prices. Yeah. Like, I don't either. They, they were having, they were passing these out so much. Uh, there, there was so much of this stuff circulating in the late nineties, early two thousands that like, um, these were like at some point two bucks a pill. Like there was just so much of it. Oh yeah, there was. Yes. Yeah. They were super cheap. Um, I remember them being a lot cheaper, you know, and people were trying to sell these to you in fucking high school and you're like, oh, trying to like, sell you on wholesale, like an entire you know? bottle for 50 bucks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And you know, like, uh, don't, they're like, just don't take the whole thing. Okay. <laughs> um, are you sure? But, uh, cause they had twenties too and twenties were relatively cheap yeah. from, from what I remember. Um, but you know, everybody, everybody liked to party a little bit. So everybody had a little bit of experience in that, but I just know they got really expensive and I wasn't really fucking with them when they, when they got expensive. Um, but anyways, so to just wrap this up, um, so pretty much immediately after Oxycontin was released, uh, signs of people abusing it became apparent, especially in rural areas. Uh, this is, this is, uh, the wonderful news, uh, that I'm going to leave this uh, off at. I read that weird. Um, in part two, we're going to cover the chaos that probably begins to ensue. Um, so make sure you join us again to see how this story ends. I'm not, this could be a, th- it's probably going to be a two-parter, but it could be a three-parter if it goes really long. I don't want to uh, bore people, but I hope they find this uh, very uh, exciting. Um, so tune in.
in. Creepy so crawlers. Creepy. Well, yeah, we're still we're still in we're still in Halloween time. So creepy crawler. Wait, wait, wait. Are you saying no, you can't not. hear it's November? No, I'm just fucking cut out. No, I was gonna make the point that Sean didn't cut out a single time this whole episode. Hell yeah. Yep. And I let's, don't know let's, why. Let's press, it doesn't I'm make I'm any press, sense. I'm gonna press the soundboard again for the applause. Oh. Oh, you cut out. There it um, is. So actually, oh. <laughs> So the reason why I didn't cut out, uh, it's really weird. Um, I'm jacked in. You're jacked so. in, yeah. Hey, we, Sean jacked in right before we started recording. We 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 all jack in, and it's 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 the only way to record is when you're is when you're jacking in. I think That's, you have to be jacked. Yeah. In. You got to be jacked in. Um, but yeah, all right. Well, thanks for thanks for. Do you have any closing thoughts before I wrap us out? Mm. Wrap us out. No. What the fuck does that mean? Uh, <laughs> There's no words on it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, what I do you mean, we'll play us out? <laughs> you mean, like, end the show? <laughs> Fuck it. I'll, we'll do it live. We'll do it live. I'll write it and we'll do it live. <laughs> Fucking thing sucks. <laughs> um, all right. Well, if you guys like this, maybe check out our Patreon at www.patreon.com. Guys are screwed. Lots of good stuff coming there. We're going to do a Squid Games uh, Guys Review, which is a side series we do. We're gonna, we do some new stuff on there. We do some reviews. We do all kinds of stuff. We, uh, Maybe now that it's like Brett past that timeline, I don't even know. It's the perfect time. It's the perfect time right now to okay. do Squid Game. It right, is. We'll, yeah, we'll, you're we'll right. You're right. Games, yeah. All right. Well, and you can also email us at gwscreegmail.com. Um, and uh, don't forget, we do want to do that Heaven's Gate update. So if you want a question to the remaining Heaven's Gate members, you can shoot us an email. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter at Green Left Arrow. Uh, or at the guys or screw account. I'm, I mean, I'm my uh, personal account is much bigger than the uh, show account. You know, that's 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 just the way the way it goes. Uh, we need to change that. Uh, my uh, Instagram is ballerkranz. Uh, Sean, what are your deets? My Instagram is dean underscore savis. Uh, get at me on there. Um, and uh, my meta. Uh, account is, uh, I'm just <laughs> fucking meta uh, uh chris yeah. how many milligrams deep are you rolling right now 159.5 oh, <laughs> okay so yeah. didn't want that he's 160 safe. pill couldn't handle that but yeah no, he's safe he's, he, he cut the tip off <laughs> popped it yeah uh, i'll take just the tip please uh all right oh, yeah. uh bye see ya later i'm gonna you know what i'm gonna do okay <laughs>